1: And now, a reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 23 to 32. Jesus entered the temple courts and, while he was teaching, the chief priests and elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked, and who gave you this authority? Jesus replied, I will also ask you one question. If you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or of human origin? They discussed it among themselves and said, If we say from heaven, he will ask, Then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, We are afraid of the people, For they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We don't know. Then he said, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered, but later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. The Gospel of our Lord, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
0: What is the
2: nature of true authority? It's a question which haunts me in this time of apparent authority crisis. The question lingers in the air. Who is authorized to lead us in such a time as this? The question's posed to Jesus by the Jerusalem leaders. By what authority are you doing these things? Now, we can put the question of authority aside for a moment and focus right here on the phrase, these things. What things has Jesus been doing to elicit such opposition from these Jerusalem leaders? Well, in terms of timeline, this is Holy Week. It's the final seven days of Jesus' life. And the tension between Jesus and the religious and political machine in Jerusalem has been coming to a head. And it's here that most of the important drama of the story occurs. The these things of their question is, in short, the public and the dramatic events of Jesus' performance, right? They challenge the authority of the Jerusalem leaders, these acts. He's entered Jerusalem symbolically, right? The moment that we remember on Palm Sunday, riding on a donkey, not a war horse, subverting the very idea of victory that those palm branches represent. And this gesture, it screams loudly that the time is up for our way of winning through domination and through strength. The way of ego and empire, what the Bible calls idolatry and unrighteousness. Crowds gather, they sing, they celebrate, and the Jerusalem leaders are afraid of what's shaping up to be a dramatic protest, not only of their own tenure, but also of the spirituality and the systems that they represent. The these things of their question includes the moment when jesus creates a scene of mini chaos upsetting the temple law and order during a crowded pilgrimage season by throwing over tables and literally unseating the money changers these people who facilitate the transactions that make the temple economy work it would be like shutting down the internet on cyber monday now jesus makes a whip and he drives out the animals upsetting the supply side of the sacrificial demand. And in Matthew's story, he highlights this symbolic exorcism as comprehensive. He notes that Jesus drove out all who bought and sold from the area. He yells aloud in that moment, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. And the Jerusalem leaders are terrified at this defiant chaos and this destruction of property. They can feel the order that they have helped create trembling under their feet. And they do what all authoritarian leaders do when their power is threatened. They attempt a character attack, they manipulate the narrative, and they do whatever it takes to keep the power they enjoy and to cast their opponent as a dangerous enemy. But Jesus doesn't take the bait. He adds to this public string of events which are challenging the authority of the Jerusalem leaders. He's publicly questioned here, but he knows their aim. And in the arena of honor and shame, he turns the tables. He puts them in an impossible situation. He asks them to give their opinion of John. Now, John was a seminal and symbolic figure with the people. He was charismatic and he was enigmatic, The story tells us that the Jerusalem leaders knew the crowd thought he was a prophet. People flocked to the desert to behold John's eccentric invitation to deep change and to justice, right? To the valleys being raised and the mountains being leveled. And with urgency in his tone, right? The ax is laid at the root, he would say. Insiders were plunged into those waters of change, baptism, a ritual for outsiders which had been transformed by John into a threshold of renewed commitment for insiders. He had a love-hate relationship with many wealthy and powerful people, and in the end he was killed at the whim of a politician's spouse. Jesus asks, what do you think of John's death? It's not dissimilar today to where people are asked to answer where they stand on any number of symbolic issues like Breonna Taylor, or abortion, or Black Lives Matter, or how you plan to vote in the next uh, coming election season. So your answer immediately symbolizes something. It, it, It pigeonholes you into a camp or a tribe or a way of thinking that you may or may not align with entirely. We know the precarious waters of trap questions, and Jesus utilizes this tactic not to avoid conflict or to simply be coy. He knows that these questioners are disingenuous, that they're not engaged in a set of open and honest questions. They have a threatening agenda. They have a self-preservational agenda. And Jesus is aiming to point out its absurdity and its moral bankruptcy. Is John's baptism from heaven or is it of human origin? Jesus asks. Feeling trapped between the people's love for John and also their own parent disregard for John's message, they dodge We don't know, they say. Only this isn't the refreshing gesture of humility that we truly need from our leaders at times. Instead, it's an ignorance of convenience. It's intended to save their skin in the moment. And so Jesus says, neither will I tell you where I get my authority. But instead of leaving it at that, Jesus begins to hint at where he derives his authority actually. And at the same time, he insinuates the problem with the authority of the Jerusalem leaders. The hint is in the form of a story. Two sons are asked to do something by their father. One says yes, and then doesn't actually do it. One says no, but then eventually does what the father wants. Jesus asks, who did the father's will in the end? See, the story is laced with this feature of misalignment. Neither son is aligned in word and deed, but in the end, the deed is what's given priority over the word. And Jesus is saying, essentially, talk is cheap when it comes to authority. The authority of the Jerusalem leaders was corrupt. It was sick. And the particular malady that Jesus points out is its misalignment, right? They talk about God, they stand for what's right, but their lives are not in line with the message. Their lives are not in line with the values that they are installed to protect and to preserve. For Jesus, true authority is about alignment the healthy integration of what one values and believes and how one actually acts. This isn't just a momentary decision, it's a trajectory. It's not about perfection, but it's about the ability to self-assess, to pivot, and to change once again. See, the tax collectors and the sinners are entering the kingdom ahead of you, Jesus tells them. They weren't perfect, but they recognized the authority of John and Jesus, which was rooted in integration of word and deed. And they were able to assess themselves in that light. And they were able to begin to pivot and move toward what Jesus calls here, the way of righteousness. See, bad authority can't admit fault. It refuses to acknowledge weakness. It sees this uh, sort of critical self-assessment as counterproductive to their true aim of maintaining power. What kind of authority are we drawn to? what kind of authority will we follow? What kind of authority will we aspire to model ourselves? For Jesus, true authority is rooted in integration. For Jesus, this was rooted in his mystical experience of God himself in the waters of Jesus or John's baptism. He knew the love of God for him deeply and unmistakably. It wasn't just an idea or with the faith of his parents, it was his, and he lived from that place. That center of love, it was tested in the desert immediately after uh, the, the baptism. But he remained aligned with that unconditional divine love. At many steps along the way, Jesus experienced heartache or exhaustion or personal loss. And at each point, he recenters himself back in that unconditional divine love. He has an experience, but it's an experience that he constantly is having to recenter in and to reconnect with. It's the kind of center that he would stay true to, even to the point of death. He would not use violence or power or the tactics of the politicians or the religious leaders to secure himself. Instead, he gives himself for the sake of the world. And in the end, his dying and rising ignites a new community to embrace this way of righteousness with that fresh wind of courage because they're convinced that God is for us, that we don't need to live in fear, or self-preservation that we can get on with the business of critical self-analysis and real change in imagination and behavior, not because of some cosmic threat on the horizon, that's the way of ego and empire. Instead, they are able to make this change because they've tasted what love really is and what love really does. And they wanna do it because love is its own reward. I wonder this week where you're tempted to follow or admire the kind of authority that Jesus challenges here. I wonder where you're tempted to the hypocrisy, to the misalignment of the Jerusalem leaders. I wonder where you feel trapped by the optics of people you seek to impress or where you feel something uh, you love and need will be lost if you, like the sinners and tax collectors, acknowledge a misalignment and begin back again on the trajectory of integration, which produces true authority. This story is a gut check for every one of us. Will we become people of integration? Will we become people of alignment? Will we lead and support leaders who are on that trajectory? Or will we double down and compromise that path because we're trying to save ourselves? May God help us.
0: Amen. Thank you for listening to the Good Shepherd New York podcast. Good Shepherd New York is an interdenominational church centered around the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. Our church is theologically rooted in the Apostles and Nicene Creeds, but we welcome people of any or no religious backgrounds to participate in our community. If you would like to support us, please text Good Shepherd NY, all lowercase with no spaces, to 77977. That's Good Shepherd NY to 77977 or visit our website, goodshepherdnewyork.com. Thank you for listening.